0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at echoeygt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Thank you,
1: Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of adoption. Thank you, Jesus. We belong to you. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering, Amen. amen. Bless the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, GT Worship. How many can identify with that emotion? Amen. All of us have had that fear grip us from time to time. Continuing our sermon series on Inside Out. Our theme for this series is emotional health is the key to living a satisfied and fulfilling life. You hear the word wholeness in Christian circles. Let me give you our definition of wholeness from a biblical standpoint. Wholeness is the act of becoming more and more like Jesus and is in this process of transformation, this process of sanctification where healing of our brokenness occurs. We are broken because of the fall. Often, sadly, Because of our soul condition, we act out of that brokenness, we act out of that hurt, we act out of that pain, we act out of that fear, we act out of that anger. And often it keeps us, it keeps us from God's best. We're taking the college students through a book, Healthy Emotions, and the author says something to this degree. That you cannot grow spiritually if you stay unhealthy emotionally. There's a lot of truth to that. Many people want to to have spiritual maturity, but they've never allowed the Holy Spirit to bring emotional maturity in their life. Hildness, wholeness. Body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is the place of your heart, your emotions, your intellect, your, your your feelings. It is there that Christ has come to bring to bring healing and wholeness to your life. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 is a verse we used last week. Says, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit, whenever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. See and reflect. In other words, we're beholding and we're being changed. We're, we're beholding, we're encountering, and through that encounter, we are reflecting the glory. So as we encounter, we reflect something of the Lord. And it says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him, as we are changed into his glorious image. Last week, we spoke about how emotions are powerful. Emotions lead to feelings. Feelings lead to desires, and desires lead to actions, whether they're healthy actions or unhealthy actions. And if we want healthy actions, then we need to have emotional health. This thing called wholeness was something that the Apostle Paul prayed for the early church. The third church of Thessalonica, chapter 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. Paul's prayer for the saints was that God would make them holy in every way. One translation says holy and whole. For the one who's called you is faithful. See, he's faithful. He can bring wholeness to you, make you holy and make you whole. Holiness and wholeness go together. Before the fall, you see that man was completely whole, for he walked in the Garden of Eden. There There was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no anger, there was no broken emotions until something happened. Today we're going to talk about the emotion of fear. There are two types of fear. There is healthy and unhealthy fear. Healthy fear is that which translates more into a respect for something or someone. It's what we call healthy fear. It's a fear that teaches boundaries. A fear that respects certain things so as not to act foolish. In the Old Testament, the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 17 Here in verses 3 through 6, we see that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years. He did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. So the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. And all the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. And verse 6 says, he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Notice that phrase, Jehoshaphat was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Then you go down to verse 8. The latter part of verse 8 says, he also sent out the priests. And they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord. And traveled around through all the towns of Judah. Teaching the people. So not only was Jehoshaphat having a personal encounter that led to reforms in his own life, but it led to reforms in the the nation that he led. But it didn't stop there. He says, I want the people to know the word of the Lord. So he commissioned the priest to take copies of the law of the word of God and go to every town of Judah and teach the people the word of God. And then verse 10 tells us, Then the fear of the Lord fell on all the surrounding kingdoms. Notice the connection between the law of the Lord, the word of God, and the fear of the Lord, healthy fear. Quickly, I want to read some verses regarding the fear of the Lord. Maybe you want to write these down. Psalms 110, verse 10 Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Proverbs 1.7. Fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Proverbs 9.10. Fear the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Proverbs 10.27. Fear the Lord lengthens one's life. How many can agree with that? Proverbs 14, 27, fear the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, fear the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: fear the Lord leads to life, brings security and protection from harm. So the fear of the Lord is a strong motivation toward doing right. The fear of the Lord is a wholesome terror of displeasing God, which creates in us a wholehearted obedience. It is a spiritual experience resulting from a personal encounter with the holy God. And then his judgments no longer seem distant or mechanical, but very personal and moral. Because of your encounter with the holy God, suddenly his His word, his precepts are not something that's mechanical in your life, but it becomes a living organism. It becomes a living relationship and you desire obedience. The fear of the Lord. How many would agree we all need the fear of the Lord? But I want to transition for a moment the fear that we are going to speak of today is that which controls you and leaves you dreadful the future, dreadful tomorrow. It begins to manipulate you. The fear that we'll spend the remaining moments on is the fear that deals with despondency and it hinders us from achieving God results in our lives. And the Word of God is filled with examples of men dealing with such fear. Unhealthy fear magnifies the situation. Unhealthy fear magnifies the enemy and causes your view of God to become small. And therefore we become despondent in such situations. So unhealthy fear magnifies your circumstance and your enemy and causes your God to look very small. It is this emotion, when allowed to run wild in our minds, that will wreak havoc in our sense of peace, wreak havoc in our sense of trust, and wreak havoc in our emotional health. Now remember, unhealthy emotions are results of the fall of man. We referred to this earlier. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Let's read the exact scripture. Verse 10. We pick up, man has already sinned. God is coming down the cool of the day to talk with him, and Adam is hiding. The Lord addresses Adam. Adam says, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid, notice, I was afraid, fear, the broken emotion. I was afraid because I was naked. I was ashamed because I didn't have any coverings. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied in verse 12, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And there the story begins. (laughs) Broken emotions. Fear. Anger. Blame. Victim. All of these things are wrapped up in broken emotions. Let's talk about this fear for a few moments. Notice in your notes, fear erodes our confidence in God. Fear erodes our confidence in God. But not only in God, but our confidence to stand before him. The writer of Hebrews tells us to come boldly, confidently before the throne of grace because we have a faithful, merciful high priest. But fear causes us to be trepid before the presence of God, just as Adam was. Let's talk about confidence in God. What is confidence in God? Confidence in God is trust in him. It is trust and confidence that he is guiding your life. It is trust and confidence that he's guiding your steps and watching over you for good. It is trust in God, which is your ability to have confidence in his plan and purposes are being carried out in your life. And fear was to attack this in you. Fear wants to attack your confidence in God. Fear wants to tell you, God doesn't order your steps. God doesn't see you. Your your way is hid from him. He doesn't know where you are. He doesn't hear your cries. He doesn't see your trouble. See, fear erodes our confidence in God. What is our confidence? It is trust in the character of God. What do you mean by character of God? Trusting in the goodness of God that he's good all the time and everything he does is good and perfect. Amen? It is, it is trust in the fairness of God, that God's going God's to gonna pay back evil and God's going to take care of us. And, and if we do the right thing, everything's going to work out. It's trust in the fairness of God. It's trust in the love of God, that God loves you, that God cares for you. And if God loves you, he's going to protect you. He's going to watch over you. See, it's, it's trust in the character of God, trust in the kindness of God. But the enemy wants to attack that. The enemy wants to erode your confidence in God. What is your confidence? It is an anchor in the storm. We all need an anchor. And your confidence in the goodness of God, your confidence that he orders your steps, your confidence that he's not against you, but he's for you. Your confidence is this, that though you are surrounded by your enemies, there's one greater than your enemies, and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's an anchor in the storm. An anchor holds us steady in the storm. An anchor keeps us in that sweet spot. I learned this from my granny. She loved to go fishing, and she loved pan fishing. And she'd get on her boat, and she'd hunt all over that lake until she found a bread uh, 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 a brim bed. And when she found a brim bed, that was where all the fish, they were laying their eggs. And at the right time of the year, if you got on the bed, you could catch a hundred or more fish, one right after the other. And when she found that brim bed, she lower her anchor because she found the sweet spot. Hear me, church. Confidence in God is like an anchor. It'll keep you in that sweet spot. It'll keep you in that place of favor. It'll keep you in that place where you know God is for you. God's working on you. He's working in you, and he's going to keep you. Somebody give him praise. An anchor keeps us from drifting in the currents of life. An anchor keeps us from being moved out of our position by the changing tides and by the shifting emotions. Hear me, emotions are going to come. They're going to be up and down. But when you have the anchor called the confidence of God, confidence in his goodness, confidence in his nature, confidence is an anchor to your soul. The enemy it's trying to use fear to erode your confidence, erode your confidence in God. When I think of that word erode, I think of to slowly chip away. Think of a hammer and a chisel. I think of that, that phrase to lose grip. I think of a mudslide. The unrelenting rain slowly erodes away the topsoil until the soil loses grip and the mudslide happens. See, unchecked fear will erode your confidence in the Lord. Your confidence in God is your anchor. And the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy that which anchors you, that which holds you, that which sustains you. Allow me to read Isaiah 43, verses one and following for a moment. I want you to see what your confidence lies in. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Your Savior. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I've created you. I've called you. You belong to me. You'll go through some deep waters, but guess what? I will be right there with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fires of oppression, you will not burn up. And the flames will not kindle upon you. They will not consume you because he's our God. That's where our confidence lies. Notice the last phrase of verse 4. You are honored and I love you. Some of us need to hear that today. The Spirit of the Lord says, I love you. Spirit of God says, I love you. You are loved of God. Fear will cause you to question that love. Fear will cause you to question the anchor, your confidence in God. Fear will erode away at that confidence. Notice what fear does. Fear paralyzes. Turn with me to Psalm 143, verse 4. Psalm 143, verse 4. We're going to look at this psalm, this verse. Later on towards the end, we're going to come back to Psalm 143. The psalmist says, I'm losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Many of us can identify with that verse. I'm paralyzed with fear. See, fear will paralyze you. You'll get stuck. Fear will cause you to get stuck. A, the King James uses the word overwhelmed. And the Hebrew word is translated as weak. And the idea is being stuck in the middle. It means to faint, to hide oneself. You're stuck in the middle, and you can't move. You're stuck in the middle, and you can't seem to break out. You're stuck in the middle, and it seems like you're seized and paralyzed by fear. Anybody ever felt like you've been stuck in the middle of something? You've been stuck in the middle of that fear, and that fear paralyzes you. That fear holds you. That fear seizes upon you, and you cannot move. Unchecked fear causes a person to be unable to move because they're scared, they're fearful of what might happen. And the enemy wants you to get stuck, doesn't want you to move because he wants to keep you in the wilderness of unbelief and lack of faith. Because then he keeps you paralyzed and unable to move forward. But God's calling you to move forward. God's calling you not to be stuck. Not to be there in the middle. God's calling you to go forward in the name of Jesus. Write this under C. When we're paralyzed by fear, we do not act in faith. We do not act in faith. Go into the Old Testament again, to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers 13, we see the story, the Israelites, the spies, they've gone to spy out the land. Now they're coming back to give their report to Moses and Aaron and to the leaders of Israel. We pick up in verse 25 of Numbers 13. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. They returned to Moses and Aaron, the whole community of Israel, Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Aenek. Notice what fear does. Fear will not only affect you, it will affect those around you. Fear will cause you to minimize the good things of God and to maximize the powers of the enemy. It will cause your circumstances to be magnified and the abilities of your God to diminish. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, but the people living there are powerful. I told you a few weeks ago I'm working on a sermon. Your butt's too big right there there it is your butt is too big God I know you want to work in my life but I know you want to do this but I I I know you're for me but I know God you've got a plan and a purpose but see that that's what happens fear begins to grip grip fear begins to seize us and we don't act in faith so they began to say Caleb Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go up at once. Take the land. We certainly can conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. They spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Now look at verse 33. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's why they thought of us too. Wow. Wow. See, the enemy wants uncontrolled fear to grip your life because fear will paralyze you. God's called you to the promise. God's called you to to greatness. God's called you to something more than what you've experienced. But fear will cause you to remain where you are. Fear will hem you in. You'll feel overwhelmed. You'll feel like you're in the middle and you can't break loose. But I'm here to declare somebody's about to break loose. Somebody's about to break out. Somebody's about to experience their breakthrough. God's going to deliver you and set you free in the name of Jesus. Somebody give him praise. Now, notice what fear does. The third thing, fear creates doubts. Notice there at Numbers 14. Verse 1, then the whole community began weeping aloud. They all cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus, a protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, even here in the wilderness. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Unchecked fear will cause you to doubt God's ability. It will cause you to doubt God's ability. The whole community began to weep, and they wept all night long. Then they rose in a great chorus in protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness. They're questioning God's ability to carry them through to the promise. I remind you of all that they had experienced, all the provision, all the miracles. But fear eroded their confidence in God. They began to question God's direction. Fear will do that. Why has the Lord taken us to this country only to have us die in battle? And then notice the next step, what fear does. It always deals with ifs, never impossibilities. It always deals with extremes. Our wives and our children will be killed and they'll be taken captives and they'll have to become slaves. See, uncontrolled fear does that. It runs wild. It paralyzes you. It'll cause you to doubt God's direction. See, write this. It'll cause you to doubt God's provision. Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Moses is not qualified. (laughs) Moses does not have the leadership skills to get us to where we need to go. So let's find a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. They're doubting God's provision. This is very important. Write this under D. Fear calls into question one's position and one's calling. Fear calls into question one's position and one's calling. They had forgotten that they were the called of God. God had chosen them. They forgot their position. And they forgot the Lord told them, I've already given you the land of promise. They forgot that their destiny was the promised land. So, so they fear will cause you to forget your position and your calling. And this is exactly where the enemy wants you to be. And the reason is, he wants to keep you Wandering in the wilderness when God has called you to the promised land. Unchecked fear will erode your confidence in God. Unchecked fear will paralyze you. Unchecked fear will cause you to doubt God. So let's spend the next few minutes talking about how do you check fear. Let's go back to Psalm 143 for a moment. We find a powerful remedy to unchecked fear. We learn from David's life. Again, we pick up in verse 4. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. You see his state. Now let's see the remedy. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works, and I think about all you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear all of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes. For I am your servant. We're going to talk about how do you check unchecked fears. David remembers. Begin to remember Begin to call back what God's already done in your life When fear tries to seize you When fear tries to erode your confidence When fear tries to paralyze you Remind yourself how the Lord answered your prayer yesterday Remind yourself of the miracle he did Remind yourself how he's brought you out What he's already done Remember what God has done for you He said I ponder and I think Now notice Then he says, I lift my hands in prayer. Nothing confuses the enemy like you worshiping the God in the midst of the battle. See, the enemy, he thinks that when you are seized with fear, you should be paralyzed. When you're seized with fear, your your confidence in God should be eroded. When you are seized with fear, you should begin to doubt the promises of God. So when you begin to lift your hands in worship, you begin to lift your hands in prayer, you begin to declare, I trust in you, Lord. It confuses your enemy because he thinks he's got you because he's causing fear to dominate. But hear me in the midst of that broken emotion. Lift your hands toward heaven and begin to worship God. For he is for you and not against you. Somebody give him praise. Notice what he does. He lifts his hands in prayer and worship. And then he declares, see his trust in God. Now notice what he says. Show me where to walk, God. I give myself to you. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will. Lead me, Lord. All of these things say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Oh, fear may be raging, but I trust you. My thoughts may be out of control, but I bring my thoughts to the captivity of Jesus Christ right now. I plead the blood, I declare the promise, I stand upon the word, and I lift my hands and I worship and I declare I trust the Lord. Finally, the last thing: write this. David said, I am your servant. He recognized his hand, his life was in the hands of God, that he belonged to the Lord, that the Lord was in the control. How do you check fear? Remember the past blessings and faithfulness of God. Begin to worship God. Lift your hands in praise to the Lord. He brought you out before he'll bring you out again. Pursue his presence. Thirst for the living God. Then declare you trust in him. Ask the Lord where he wants you to walk, what he wants you to do, how he desires you to act. Declare your trust by giving yourself to him afresh and anew. Resist the temptation to turn against God. Resist the temptation to go back to Egypt and declare, Lord, I'm here. I'm trusting you. I'm like Job. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you, Lord. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. You anoint my head with all in my cup. We shall overcome. We will not be seized by fear. We will recognize. The Lord says, I love you. The Lord says, I've created you. He says, I called you by name. You may go through the water, but guess what? I'll be with you. You may go through the fire. But guess what? It won't kindle upon you. You may go through the trial, the circumstance but you're not going to be destroyed. You may be cast down, but you're not destroyed. i yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I may be going through the difficulty right now. Fear may try to seize my mind, but I will trust in the Lord, for he is good. His mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Somebody give him praise. Father I thank you right now for your word I thank you Jesus Lord we all deal with fear unhealthy fear from time to time and Lord it's not that we deal with it that demonstrates our lack of faith is what we do when we're dealing with the fear and Lord we want to be like King David When he felt paralyzed he began to remember he began to recall he began to ponder and think about the good things he began to think about how when he was that shepherd boy how you would come and visit him commune with him and as a shepherd boy When the bear came to attack the the fold, you gave him the courage to strike that bear down. He began to recall when he was a shepherd boy, he began to recall that when the lion came to attack the sheepfold, that he had the courage to come against that lion and to slash his throat and to destroy that lion. He began to recall as a shepherd boy, one day as he's tending his father's sheep, his brother runs and says, hurry, there's a man there. There's a prophet in the house, and they're calling for you. He began to remember as he walked into that house. He walked in that house. Samuel looked upon him, and the anointing of God filled that room. And then he took that oil, and he began to anoint the head of the shepherd boy. And he anointed him to be the king of Israel. He remembered how everybody looked at him as a shepherd, but God saw a king. He remembered how Saul, mad king, was chasing him, throwing spears at him. But each time the Lord protected him. He began to recall the mercies of God. He began to recall how the Lord governed his life, how the Lord began to order his steps, how the Lord protected him. He began to lift his hands. He began to worship. He began to sing. He began to declare, I trust you, Lord. Order my steps. Direct my path. Father, right now, there's some people going through some stuff. There's some people being overwhelmed and maybe even overwhelmed by fear. But I pray that they'll begin to recall. They'll begin to remember. And Father, they'll begin to rehearse the faithfulness of God in their own mind. In the midst of that, they'll begin to lift their hands and declare, my God is good. My God is faithful. And I will worship Him. I will declare His goodness. I will shout it from the rooftop. I will shout it From the mountaintop, my God is for me. Who can be against me? He's made me the head and not the tail. Abba, not
0: In the valley, I know that you're with me In the valley, I know that you're with me Surely, your goodness and your mercy follows me So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving This is how I fight my
1: The spirit of laughter will fill your belly. Amen. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Do not allow the enemy. Do not allow the enemy to steal your victory. Realize. Realize how we check unchecked fear. We remember the good things he's already done. We lift our hands in prayerful worship we declare you are faithful you are good we say audibly I will trust you uh, I will trust you though things around me may be a whirlwind though things around me may be turned upside down I trust you you are his servant God takes care of what belongs to him <laughs> he says just look at the Look at the sparrow. Not one falls to the ground without me noticing. How much more valuable are you than many sparrows? God takes care of that which belongs to Him. If you've been visiting with us today, we want to say God bless you. Thank you for choosing to worship with us here at Glad Tidings. We would love to invite you to come back. If you're new in the area, you're in the area, and maybe you've been de-churched, out of church for a while, and you're looking for a home, We believe that this is a great place where you get plugged in, you get connected with others, and you to grow in your faith. I truly believe that God has come to restore the whole man. Not just your spiritual side, but your soul, your heart, your intellect, to bring wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. You can walk in that wholeness. As you engage the presence of God, you begin to reflect the glory of God. And the spirit of God, who is the spirit of freedom, begins to to, to cause the likeness of Jesus to be formed in you. And that's where wholeness happens. So if you're visiting with us, got a special gift to give you. Please stop by the next steps table. We would love to greet you, meet you, and to give you a special gift. If not, come back at our next appointed time. Wednesday night is going to be a great time. Family night, always wonderful. God's got a word. May the presence of God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. A good work, he'll perform his work, his work of restoration, his work of transformation. He will continue that until his Son, Jesus Christ, returns. Walk in restoration May the wind be gently upon your back. May the sun shine upon your face. May God our Father turn his countenance toward you. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all. I now bless you. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day. If you would like continued prayer, there will be some prayer partners up here praying with you. Myself and my wife remain up front. If you like special prayer, please come forward.